Welcome to Man's Book Club. Man's Book Club. We did not lose that spirit. Wow, we did not lose that spirit. There's no way to lose the spirit. Yeah. It's no, I was actually really afraid that I couldn't pull it off again. I practiced in the car. I'm like, Man's Book Club. You practiced the song? I didn't practice the song. I, I practiced the voice because I thought I haven't used that voice in a long time and I might, you know, I might lose it, well, but, you know, like you let me lose tell intelligence you after a while. Uh, first of all, practice. that doesn't happen. Um, no, I'm no. always going to be intelligent. But um, <laughs> uh, also, if you went 30 plus years without doing that voice and then you did it randomly one of these days, you're not going to lose it by not doing it for two weeks. I, did I do it for 30 years? No, you haven't done it in 30 years. It came out of nowhere. It, it did. So it you not it doing a, it, it for two weeks. Voice. Right. You not doing it for two, two weeks isn't going to make you lose it. You could. Ah, that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, so today, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I'm scared. Ha- you look scared. Uh, because the kids. I'm scared of the kids. You're scared of the kids. <laughs> They're violent. I'm, uh, sc- I'm scared of the carbs that come with the chocolate. Have you been going a lot of uh, door- doorbell rings? Um, yeah. Uh, no. No, I mean... No. I hid uh, in I, my room. I think, I think kids are terrified of Halloween because parents are terrified of Halloween because of COVID. That's what I think. Ah. I think I think parents are scared of kids. <laughs> instead of catching candy, they're catching COVID. Yeah, they don't want to catch COVID. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah. it's now, instead of trick or treat, it's sick or treat. So you just stay home. Well, I hid in my bedroom so, with the lights off. Under the car. That's how I found you when I got here. <laughs> he rescued me. <laughs> Speaking of bedroom, today we have a special treat. We are going to, we, Matt and I thought about the spookiest thing we could think of so we could do this whole Halloween themed episode and we came up with the spooky man himself, Edgar Allan Poe. Thought it would be a very, very good uh, author to talk do you about. Do ever go to that, I think it's in Richmond, Virginia. Is it Richmond, Virginia? Um, he has a museum or a... Uh, I th- is that where it is? I believe it's Baltimore. Baltimore. Baltimore is I passed it when I was driving out of Florida. And, mm-hmm. uh, I did not go in there. Yeah, I, never, I didn't Because either. for whatever reason, they feel like closing at 3 p.m. is a good... Do idea. they really? Yeah, it's, it closes early. Insanely wow. early. All museums do. Why do you close it? Why can't a museum stay open until 10? What's the problem with that? Yeah. I don't Why can't I go to the Met at 10 o'clock at night? What? I prefer it. I yeah. people. Absolutely. Sometimes I think they do special things, but in the Met. Wait, you're not invited to it. Uh, there is special nights. <laughs> no, like that you could go. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the special events. No, no, no. that I can't get. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna do two very quick short stories um, with Edgar Allan Poe. The first is gonna be the Telltale Hearts. That's Matt's favorite. We decided to do uh, pick one each, and it is a good one. And then we're gonna do the Cask of Amontillado, or as Matt called it. The wine cellar. Oh, story. I forgot the name. The wine cellar. Well, he said, it is a wine cellar. He said, "Oh, you like the wine cellar story, right?" Well, is, I it said, a, is it not a wine cellar? The last scene of the story. Exactly. Is okay. You know, they're in the cellar. That's like saying the Telltale Hearts is the eye story. Well, it's about wine, and they're in the cellar, and it's scary, and it's damp. It it is. <laughs> it is actually very Halloween themed. Um, so let's start with the Telltale Hearts. Matt, do you want to do it? Do you want to give us the story? Or would you like me to do it? I, from what I remember, mm-hmm. it's about a guy. Mm-hmm. I think he says truth in the beginning or fault. What does he say in the beginning? True. True. And then he... The fact that you remember the first line of the story. I know, I know. Pretty impressive. Well, I didn't really remember. Um, and then 
he, you know, he's, I guess he's living with an old man and something about his eye. Okay. I'm going to take over um, because Matt didn't do his homework and no, I did. I, I reread these stories because that's what a good podcast host does. Yeah. So once again, he's I'll, intelligent. Once again, I'll carry this podcast on he's my back. He's intelligent. Back. He's intelligent. So the Telltale Hearts is a very short story about a man, an old man who works for the protagonist, Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, he doesn't really have a name. And he's basically taking care of things around the house, and he likes the old man. The protagonist likes this old man, but for whatever reason, there's an issue. Gets the urge to want to kill him. He said that the, it's just crept in as a thought slowly, and then he couldn't get it out of his head. And he tried to pinpoint why he wanted to kill this gentleman, and it turned out that. He just doesn't like his left eye. Yeah, and when was this written? It was 1800? Like, I actually looked this up. Okay. Do you know that this story is over 175 years old? Oh, wow. That is insane. No, because it is kind of relatable where maybe you don't get a thought about killing somebody. You mm-hmm. have a thought. Yes, of and like, it nags at you. You know what? Even when I'm in giant stadium, like at MetLife, which I'm going to, is you know, you're up high and you're like, what if I jumped off? You know, like, not that you would ever do it, but there yeah, is, yeah. like, you, you do get these rare... What, what if I drive off a bridge? Yeah, or, like, right. look, you know you wouldn't do Although it. Although in the case of the MetLife thing, if you jumped, you would probably help the Giants win the game, so... Well, if I... If I... Yeah, because the game would be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> they would win by forfeit, which would be good. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's still relatable, even though nobody kills people who, who sing, although I would hope. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so so the the story is really about that thought, and then the I would say the I, I can't say the majority of the story because the whole thing is like three pages. But the majority of the story is <laughs> a long read. Um, took it, it's it was the protagonist attempting to kill the old man by opening the door to his bedroom. And getting the old man used to the crack of the light that's coming in. And then standing there and watching him for hours, night after night, night after night. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. Uh... It's, that's a commitment. And then waiting until that final night, going in, the old man wakes up. He hears that somebody's in the room. The protagonist is in the room. He's standing there in the darkness, silent. For hours, yeah. while the old man is awake for hours, knowing that something is wrong. And little by little, for hours, the protagonist opens the lantern and a small light shines on the eye. And still, he holds on and he holds on until eventually he ends up suffocating the guy, killing him. Then, you know, just the easy part of dismembering the body in the tub and then putting the body all underneath the floorboard. I mean, yeah, yeah because that one's smell. Yeah, because that, you know, <laughs> everything else was so difficult for him, but that just, that small part, he, he even said, he was like, it didn't really, it wasn't, there was no mess. I did it so carefully. All in the same night. Then the police show up, 
of course, as they always do. Uh, your neighbors make noise all the time, but the police never show up. But this time, this guy kills somebody with su- by yeah, suffocating. Well, well, wasn't there like a like a, a faint scream or something? Yes, it, it, I think that's when they came. He said, uh, "Yeah, he said he can relate to that scream. He's heard it in himself a bunch of times, which is one of the best lines." Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the police show up. And he feels like he has nothing to hide. He's very pompous of the fact that he killed this guy. He has no... He really doesn't regret anything at this point. The body is dismembered. It's under the floorboard. He hit it so well. The officers sit. He tells them to have a seat. They start having a conversation. He's very relaxed. And little by little, it's, he starts hearing his heartbeat. He starts hearing the heartbeat. And he gets louder and louder and louder. Until the point where he feels like the cops can hear it. So he gets up and starts making this making sounds, and he's like, "Am I imagining it? No, no, no. They're 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 messing with me. Yeah, they 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 they, they have to yeah hear they it. have to have hear, heard it." And he confesses to the murder, obviously because of guilt. Nobody's really hearing the whole thing, but he almost drove the madness. Right. What a lot of stuff happening in three pages. Yeah, it's almost you know when you read that, you're like, I can make a short story. It's only three pages, but what he packed in those three pages is just so insane. It's it's um, it's almost the the most wonderful way to go from um, innocent guy m- thoughts yeah. murderer back to innocent guy. Back to guilty. I'm. Mean, it's just it goes in such a. Like they great... do a. He does a good job of building it up when the cops are building that tension of. Um, yeah. Well, they're not. You know, it's easy to. You know, even if you got pulled over by a cop, you know, the first. Okay, I'm fooling them. But then yeah. they keep talking to you. Yep. This is the. This is the line about the sound. He said, um, "I knew that sound well too. It was the beating of the old man's heart. It increased my fury." And the beating of the drum stimulates the, the soldier into courage. That's when the heartbeat first started to happen. And first of all, the heartbeat happening before he killed him and the heartbeat coming into play afterwards at the end, amazing. The fact that he's able to, to, to use the same sound to be enthrilling to him in the beginning, like he's killing this guy, yeah. so he feels happy that the heart is beating... He's almost proud of himself for making his heart beat so much. And then at the end, the heartbeat is what's driving him crazy. It's just so good that he's doing that. But I always like, wonder what the cops thought. Because they're going there as almost... Like, they don't suspect anything, right? Like, they're no, not... No, At all. So, it, it must be such a shock to them where this guy is just completely unraveling. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like... We didn't even suspect you did. Yeah. It was just like, oh, we're doing a good a checkup. Like they, they, they. I, I always like when I when I first read the story. I always thought about. I thought about the story for days. By the way, I always thought, how many times do you think something like this happened in real life? Like, it must have happened. Like that's where the cops came. Yeah, to. but like didn't find the body. Like somebody dismembered in the bu- and the cops, especially like back then in eighteen hundreds. Oh, uh, I could see just it. cops coming in. Somebody's murdered right under their nose, and they're just having tea. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, this guy is just... I mean, he obviously had something seriously wrong with him. Yeah, I, 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 I would also... Like one of the one of the best parts about the story is that it's very, even though it's short, it's still very controlled. Nothing feels rushed in it. It's yeah, it's amazing what you can do in three pages. Right, but he's he's patient. He keeps like telling you over and over. He was patient. He took his time. He didn't he didn't go fast. He he, he keeps talking yeah, about that um, scene. They piece. also didn't like give you any information you didn't need to know. Yes. Yeah, which I love that about Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. He's, he's so good at just... He starts off the story with, like, almost in the middle of it. And he just m- catches you up quickly and then gives you what he needs to give you. I mean, this and the wine stuff. No, it, well... <laughs> no, but it, it, these kind of killers are the scariest because there is no... There's really no reason. He gives a reason. I mean, with the eye... But it's not... It's not a real reason. I mean, it's not... I, maybe it's a lot of things built up, or maybe he thinks... The guy was always, you know, eyeing him down. Who knows? But it's not really a... Yeah. He, it's not really a reason. He's yeah. kind of just crazy. Yeah, he's just kind <laughs> of completely losing it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and he and he says that in the beginning. I think he, he talks about the fact that he... He's like, you're going to think I'm crazy. Oh, yeah, he says... But why will you say that I'm mad? The disease has sharpened my senses, not destroyed them, not dulled them. So he knows that you think he's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But he's trying to justify every single thing that he's done. <laughs> Nobody. He still killed. And you can tell he's crazy because at the end, of, at the end, his conscious kind of ate at him enough to give himself up. Although maybe that's not an argument for him crazy. Maybe he's normal. Because conscious, at the end, yeah, because he did have a guy. He just yeah. completely unraveled. Yeah. <laughs> Good story, definitely. I would probably say that's probably the most popular Edgar Allan Poe story. Do you agree? I think uh, that or what the Raven. Yeah, the Raven's a poem, so I won't count that. But it's Although, a short story. I don't know we're not doing that one, but I read that not too long ago because I had I think I had the same compilation mm-hmm. type book that you do and. and for a poem, and I'm not the biggest poem person, it is great. Uh, the Raven? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I like I like it. My favorite of his is Annabelle Lee. I think Annabelle Lee's pretty good. Um, yeah, he's... his I. It's kind of a pity he never wrote long novels because you would think that they would be really good. Yeah. But, I mean, his short stories are enough. You know, I think some people just have, like, a... A niche of yeah. what they're good at. Like, I, I, I like, um, what's his name? Um, he's related to, oh, David Sedaris. Ever read him? No, but I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, like, they have, like, those yeah. short little, yeah. I mean, obviously not the same. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody true, has, but, yeah, everybody, like, you're right. There are some people who can't write small things, and some people can't write long things. Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. Because like, people are like, oh, I can write three pages. But, but the way that he wrote yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is almost... Not a lot of people could could do that. You, I, I went when I first read these stories. I, I mean, way back, I was I was in middle school. I thought that they were so long because when I think back about them, so much has happened. It kind of tricks your mind into thinking that it was like a eighteen page story when it's 
just three. It's it's yeah, no, it's I think so they just, short. Yeah, and they kind of like just build attention. The cops just don't leave. Yeah, just yeah. Like even though it's like half a page of that happening, like yeah. the cops are there for half a page. It's, and it's good because you can kind of imagine it where they're like at this like table and you're just like get the fuck out. Yeah, of here. he's not he's not the the kind that gives like um, too much descriptions of scenery. He's not which I you know sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Like for this, it works. Because as I get, it's such a short novel. Like, mm-hmm. I do not like the people that do everything. Okay. I'm going to tell Margaret Atwood that you said that. Oh, because... God. I forgot she existed. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I forgot she was an author. Um, she sh- she insulting. Just... She has a lot of books. You just read one bad one. Why don't you just she read a second She has a lot of books. She has a lot of books. Does she? she? Yeah, she does. She has like 20 books out there. I'm telling you, she has a lot of oh books out God. there. I'm sorry. Yeah, she... <laughs> <laughs> she does. She has a lot of books. She's uh-huh. she. We just you know and they what? deemed and they deemed that that one was the best because they made a show of it. I, I'm that's the here's the thing. It was built up, and that's not the fault of the book. No, I, I now still you got like, me in a weird position where I have to defend a book. No, I no, like, I, no. I will say, because, I do think. Sometimes uh, something translates better to TV than a book, and I think that was yeah. One of them. And that's what I'm saying. You went in with the expectation that the novel is going to be as good as the hype is about the show. And like the Godfather the was a book, and yeah, the books are better. The mm-hmm. Godfather movie is great. Yeah, probably better than the book. All all the show. I'm, uh, Dexter was a book. Yeah, Dexter. Was you favorite. is a book. You know, you know. What, I don't know if you ever saw the Leftovers. No, that was a book. And the show is so much better, so... they Because they take liberties. They add yeah. whatever they want to add. And, and Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes yeah. you're like, oh no. So don't insult her until you read another book. Thank you. And I, that, I don't and, see that happening. And that was her first novel, if I'm not mistaken. So she only got And then better. 20 years later, she wrote the second. Uh, 38, first of all. <laughs> second of all, read something irrelevant. And let me know how it goes, because I'm not done. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Margaret. We'd still would love to have you on the podcast. She's listening right now. She's our one listener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have hundreds, okay, and she's one well, of the hundreds. She so, counts as like a hundred. She counts as one of the hundreds. She counts as one of the three hundred. Um, all right, so let's move on to the next one, the wine cellar. Yeah, well, the cast I, I, I actually prefer the wine cellar. Okay, well, too bad. Um, although I'll say the title is not the name. It's the same with tell with tell. Like it has not like that one should have been called the death of the old man or the eye, and this one should have been called. But I think with the telltale heart, it is a good. Um, it's cat. It might have very little to do with it. Yeah, but, yeah, but but it's like Telltale Heart. Yeah, no, I was joking. I think the titles are pretty good. I was just trying to help you out here. Um, now the Rave, <clears throat> Rave called the Pigeon. Annabelle Lee's pretty good. Even the title's pretty good. Um, so the Cask of Montalado. This is my favorite short story of all time. I remember reading this when I was in high school, and I thought that this was the best thing I ever read at that t- at that time. I went back and we read it. Even when now, you told me about. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was pretty well known, but it... You know what? Well, obviously I know the Telltale Heart and the Raven and all yeah. that, but I don't think I've... You haven't ventured into the wor- world of Poe enough. 
I, you know what? I probably did it in high school because I remember the House of Usher and all those other ones. Mm-hmm. But then I probably just didn't go back. And I remember talking about it. We were working together. And I loved it. It was great. Yeah. I think I read it for... I think it was online. It's free. Yeah. There's no excuse yeah. probably not to read it. Uh, and yeah. it's short. It's, it, he has a lot of, a lot of I guess, lesser-known works. I, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't consider this a lesser-known one, but... The Mask of Red Death is pretty good. He has a lot of he has a lot of stories that outside of and, and and they're a little bit longer. I mean, mind you, instead of three pages, it's like seven, so it's not. Yeah, there's like no excuse actually not to read him. Yeah, if you like his work, and he's he's not um, he doesn't have complexity in his language. You know, it's not like reading a Shakespeare or even like a Dickens because he's just very to the point. Um, you're not gonna find it hard to to have. Um, to, to understand what he's trying to get at. Uh, he's always very like precise. He gets to the point. So, let's get into it. The Wine Cellar, a.k.a. the Cask of the Montalot. Um, my favorite part about this whole story is the first paragraph. Love it. I like, I, I, I like that he is um, bent on revenge and tells you from the beginning, and no matter what happens in the rest of the story and how friendly he is, he only says that he's bent on revenge in the beginning. And the rest of the story, if you didn't read that first paragraph, you would think that they're buddies. Yeah, yeah. That, the best. I must not only punish, but punish with impunity. Best line ever. Best line ever. Not only punish, but with impunity. Um, And then he goes on, so the story is, um, this gentleman who is friends with a guy named Fortunato, um, for, which is a great name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, is, he knows him from, uh, his name is Montresor. That's the name of the, the protagonist. He knows this, this guy, uh, Fortunato, that's his friend. And something happened that, that they never tell us about in the past that ended up hurting Montresor's feelings or something. And we don't even know like how big of the transgression. Right. It could be like the littlest thing. He, he said, when he ventured upon insult, I vowed revenge. Insult. I mean, he, he didn't murder. <laughs> so, yeah, he could have been like, oh, your shoes are not... It's an insult. Your ugly right. shoes. It's an insult. He, like, he thought... And he's harboring. Correct. Like, he's killing a man over an insult. <laughs> Or that's what I, that's that's what's so great. Not only punish, but punish with impunity. So he's already telling you he's going to go above and beyond. Yeah. Love that. I love that. Definitely um, stopping this guy. Yeah. Forget. So him. he meets this guy Fortunato. There's a little <clears throat> carnival uh, festival oh, wait, thing. We were happening. talking about this earlier. Besides this, of like when people manslaughter, this guy plans. Oh yeah, yeah. This guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy plans. This is premeditated. As a, yeah. yeah. Um, this is uh, this is as bad as it gets. Yeah. So he gets, um, he meets this guy at the party. He's, he, he kind of planned this whole thing out. He accidentally bumps into him. He sees that he's, yeah, he, uh, air quotes, accidentally. He, um, he tells him that he has this kind of wine that's very famous called the Amontillado. And he has a cask of it or a, a pipe or whatever, a barrel, whatever you want to call it, in his cellar. And he keeps saying that he wants somebody to see if it's the real thing or not. And he keeps mentioning this other guy. So he's baiting. Um, he's pretty much trying to bait. Yeah, This exactly. other guy is, oh, this guy's not. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. He's trying to tell him, like, oh, I need somebody to taste it, but I'll ask this other guy. He's like, where to ask that guy? Ask me. I know. So, yeah. So, um, basically, he baits him into going down into his wine cellar. He's already, He told all his workers in the house to leave. Well, he didn't actually do it. He didn't actually say it that way. He said that he told them that he's not to be disturbed for the next few days, which he knew meant that they were all going to not show up to the house. Yeah. Like, they kind of left when their boss left. And, and he planned it with this guy who's drunk from yes. a festival. Mm-hmm. And that there is a festival. Mm-hmm. So there's no way right. people are really going to... Yeah. You know. And he, he mentioned several times... That no he, scream like the old man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not hearing this bad boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and he he keeps in the beginning pretending that he is concerned about this guy's well being. He sees that he's coughing. He's like, "Oh, let's go back. I have. I'll have the other guy look at it." it, it yeah, it's it's so brilliant because yeah. like you're you know damn well like you're this guy is just so. I don't maybe not arrogant, but like this guy's gonna. He's, he's committed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's 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 sure about it. Um, yeah, and he he. Basically keeps doing that. He keeps. So it's like, oh, him, you're not well. But. Yeah, let's go back. Let's go back to the party. People will miss you. Just kind of telling him, oh, yeah, nobody will miss me. Don't worry about it. And he keeps going deeper and deeper into the cellar, deeper. And he's giving him drinks along the way. And there are, I mean, there are skeletons laying <laughs> about in the cellar he's done this that a they lot. walk by. <laughs> and and they get to a point at the end of the cellar where. Um, Fortunato is is gets strapped in and handcuffed to the wall, and Montresor is basically before the guy even knows what happened, he's already done. He's fucking macing him. Yeah, he's he's laying the bricks before the guy even knows what's happening. You, you know what the most chilling part to me was? Because he's wearing that like hat uh-huh. and it's jingling and then yeah. it just stops. Well, that's the right? thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's th- like. He he's laying on the bricks and he's he's he there's a hole left in the middle and he's like, oh, uh, Fortunato starts laughing. He's like, oh, what a joke. Yeah. Let's go back to the party now. They'll miss us. Uh, and then he's like, for the love of God. And Montresor is like, yeah, for the love of God. And he calls for him again and he doesn't hear anything. He stops talking. Fortunato stops talking and he can't see because there's only one brick left. So he, he puts a torch in there, <laughs> lights a torch in that little hole, and closes it off. And he doesn't hear screaming or anything. He just hears the jingling of the hat. Yeah, it's The guy's alive, not response. It's, it's the craziest, the darkest you can get with an ending to the story. And it... <laughs> Over, it, like, something that could be very trivial. Yeah, <laughs> and probably is. He's like, let us be gone for the love of God. Yes. For the love of God. It's, <laughs> let us yeah, be gone. Yeah, it's a pretty chill. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? It's like the perfect grind do because he, everybody's gone. There's this party. Nobody knows he's going to be down there. Nobody's going to find him. Yeah. So this is, the, this is that last part you're talking about. I thrust a torch through the remaining aperture Oops. and let it fall within. There came forth in return only a jingling of the bells. My heart grew sick on account of the dampness of <laughs> catacombs. It's he's his heart is growing sick, but, but not because either. of the dampness of the catacombs. Um, I plastered it plastered it up against the new masonry. I re- 
re-erected re the old rampart of bones. For half a century, no mortal has disturbed them. It's wild, first of all, that he would kill somebody, not feel guilt, <laughs> and on top of all of that, Zero for no reason. reason. Zero for no reason. Yeah, for no reason at all. Craziest. And, and he didn't even do it like where... Okay, if there's a gun. It is. He's burning this guy alive. Yeah, he's exactly and, and smoking him out. In right. The... He's he's killed this guy in the worst way you can kill a human being. Like you're suffocating him to death, and, and, or, and or burning him, whichever one happens first, behind a brick wall in a damp cellar and it, while and he's it, drunk. And it's so fucked up because this guy, you know, it's a joke, and then it's not, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's he still thinks the whole thing is he's drunk he's he's he doesn't know what's going on and when he becomes more sober he's starting to figure out what's going on he's like uh, shit. yeah it's it's not good <laughs> <laughs> but I I I keep going back like every time I read this story I I look forward to that first paragraph because in that first paragraph it he's so mean it, it, like it's just such a weird thing to say but he's he's telling you from the beginning like what he's going to do and you almost the whole time you're almost like well he, he can't why would he I mean yeah. he, he, he doesn't give you any details except I'm going to punish with impunity and uh, somewhere along the way when they're in the wine cellar he sees the coat of arms of his family and something mm -hmm. is written there in Latin and I think it means um always punish with impunity oh, okay. and fortunato's like good like he's he's in, he's not noticing the irony that that's going to be him soon yeah, getting yeah. punished and he's saying good he's he's completely unaware of what's happening it's such a good story it's it's written so well it doesn't go to you would think like with with so little happening that there would be a lot of gaps in the story but it's they're making their way down to the cellar. They're drinking along the way. It gets damp. They get all the way to the end. He straps him pretty quickly. It's not like there's a conversation happening. He starts laying the bricks. It's not like he's thinking about it. He, And then, then at the end, after the guy, the jingling of the of the bells, he's like, and it laid there for half a century. Yeah, well, uh, oh. Doesn't tell you after half a century did somebody find it or did he only live for half a century? Like, it doesn't... It just gives you just enough. It's such a controlled story. It's so good. Edgar Allan Poe does that so well. Yeah, and it, it's good. The first paragraph is good because it's it's cutting right to the point of what's going to yes. happen now. Yes. There's no uh, lingering. Yep. The thousand injuries of Fortunato I had borne as best could, as I best could, but when he ventured upon insult, I vowed revenge. You know, for what? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's that that first paragraph where he's kind of like, uh, at length, I would be avenged. This was a point de definitively settled, but the very definitiveness of which it was resolved precluded the idea of risk. I might not. I must not only punish, but punish with impunity. It's like you would think that this guy murdered his mother or something. It's it's so crazy yeah, yeah. how much he's. And he waited such a long time and waited for the perfect opportunity Harvard, yeah. and did it in the worst and, way. And you have to like really yeah. – like because to do what he did, it has to be very planned. Yeah. Like I'm going to do it 
there's no, there was no other time. Yep. It was today or no day. Uh, uh, this is by far the best revenge story ever. <laughs> ever. All five pages of it is the best revenge story revenge ever. Revenge for who knows. Yeah, revenge for who knows. For, for who knows what. And that's the best part. He doesn't give you too much. Make up your own mind. Um, so, thanks for listening. This was a productive Halloween episode, yeah, I would say. Very productive. Um, you know what we should have done? We should have dressed as Edgar Allan Poe. Next year. Next year. I th- if we both dress like Edgar Allan Poe, we might just look like the Wright brothers walking around <laughs> if there's two of us. Well, that's not a bad thing. <clears throat> we could be the Wright brothers. Trying to make it very men's book clubby. Yeah. So we got to do authors. Um, I'll, uh, I'll dress as you... Margaret Atwood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what she looks like, but I'll, I'll look at the back of the book. Um, I think I have it somewhere. Don't do that. Just do Edgar Allan Poe. It's very easy. I will. I'll, I'll do Shakespeare. Ah, that's okay. Their outfits are going to be very expensive to find. Like the Shakespearean outfits. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, never mind. It's going to put you back. Never mind. Uh, I'm going to find an author that just wore a tuxedo and go with that. Um, Fitzgerald. Um, Thanks, guys, for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, Happy Halloween. This was a fun episode to do because it was Revenge is coming, guys. It was lighthearted. If you don't listen, you're going to that fucking cast. (laughs) Fucking Mason, you win. (laughs) And then you're forced to listen. I won't even let you on fire. I'll just put a, a put a phone in there. No access to the phone part. That's how many people will be begging for death at that point? <laughs> just kill me. Um, light me on fire. Light me on fire. Please. Do do a Fortunato to me, please. Yeah. Please. The first thing they're begging for. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening, and we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.